good morning, everybody. Y'all good? Get this table situated. Um, man, what a like kind of a nasty Sunday morning, right? I mean, it's like cold, kind of rainy, wet, all that good stuff. Um, so this morning we kick off, really it's like a two-week kind of mini-series, if you will, uh, called Winning the War in your mind. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I think in a lot of different ways, there are so many different thoughts. Maybe it's just ADHD for me. So many thoughts up in this small peanut-sized brain that I have, right? Believe it or not, of things like, I'll hit the ground running tomorrow, and it's like, I got to do this, 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 and this, and make my to-do list, and it never goes according to plan. Are you with me? Okay? And, and through all that, there's different stresses, anxieties, things that we have to, to do, things that are out of our control, fires we have to put out, all of that stuff while we try to survive life. And so with that, we, um, as a teaching team, said we need to do a series that really kind of helps us understand what is our role um, and what does God want us to do with this anxiety, the stress, depression that, is, that, that we all deal with in a lot of different ways. And so as we were talking about that, uh, there's a church, uh, it's actually, they have tons of campuses, I don't even know, like a gazillion, okay, called Life Church. And the pastor there is Craig Rochelle, and he, um, he really kind of pioneered online um, services and streaming, multiple uh, facilities uh, or campuses. And he created a book, I think it's been a year or two now, maybe even longer, called Winning the War um, in Your Mind. And so we saw that and we're like, man, that, that's a really cool graphic. Um, we're doing like a little two-week thing. And so where credit, I'm going to give credit where credit is due, all right? So they have a church website uh, where they give free resources to churches. So this graphic is right from there, okay? Um, however, I do also want to say that the series that we wrote, we're not like plagiarizing. We're not preaching his messages, okay? Um, and so I haven't even read the book. I haven't listened to any of his messages. We were just like, that's a really cool title and graphic, and it's two weeks, and so let's put this together. But I do want to give, um, give credit where credit is due so you don't think that we just plagiarized and because that's not my cup of tea, all right? That's not how... God works. That's not how we work as a church. But before we get into the message this morning, I just want to highlight, huge shout out. Uh, yesterday, as a church family, we had the opportunity to go and do some work at Oakview Elementary. There's some uh, pictures on the screens. And so they reached out to us. They have this courtyard, butterfly garden area. Maybe you have kids that go to school there. And uh, I had reached out at the beginning uh, of the school year, uh, actually before it started, and they contacted us about this project, a big, big project, and they needed uh, a lot of us or some people to be some hands to spread some mulch. And so some of us went yesterday. It's kind of a last minute, kind of a last week type thing on Monday, and went, and man, we knocked it out. We killed it, all right? Well, I would say the volunteers killed it. I just, I was a supervisor, and I prayed over the the whole thing. Um, just kidding. I didn't do that. Uh, I had a shovel in my hand. All right. But uh, man, our people did an incredible, incredible job. Huge mound of mulch. And as you can see, kind of a finished pro uh, product. 
spread mulch, pressure washed all the concrete. Man, that looks nice, okay? It's looking nice. And so, um, man, there, there's the crew right there. Um, and they are church members, not convicts, I promise you. And so, uh, but man, so, so thankful. And I would say this, as a church family, I'm so thankful for those of you who stepped up to really be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, and some of you be like, I didn't even know this, okay? It was last minute. I put it on Facebook real quick, that kind of thing. Um, we will, we always have opportunities. I will let you know in the spring, we have an opportunity to serve uh, Monarch um, Elementary, or as some of you say, elementary. I don't know which way is right. I don't know. I grew up elementary, okay? Judge me all you want. This is church, okay? And so, Anyway, we'll be able to help, but um, man, if you want to get involved, check Facebook, social media, whatever. That's kind of the easiest way to connect. We love serving our community. But um, as we start this series and kind of preparing over the next uh, two weeks, kind of in preparation, I couldn't help but think, if you really, really think about this, as we look throughout all of the Bible, all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, we really see that God's Word declares over and over and over again that you and I exist for really a simple yet beautiful purpose. And that is this, for us to know and enjoy Jesus. For us to be in relationship with Christ. That's how he designed us. That is how we are made. We see passages like this. All things were made by him and for him. We see things like in his presence, there is fullness of joy. That this is the relationship that you and I were designed to have. That we were created to be in community and in relationship with the creator. Um, another verse, my nearness to you is for my good. And as we're going to see today, as Paul writes to the church of Philippi in Philippians 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so we see that in the very first part of chapter 4. And so we are, if you are a believer, we should be defined and marked by a life of joy because we are in relationship with the ultimate joy giver. You following me? And I think so often, you know this, don't point fingers, okay? I know people who claim to be Christians that are the most miserable, angry people I've ever met in my life. We should not be marked by that. I'm not saying you're not going to be angry and frustrated at things. But I, like, I know people that I see on Facebook and like one minute they're bashing everybody and their mama. And then it's like, but God so loves the world, you know? And I'm like, okay, let me throw up in my mouth a little bit, right? Like as a pastor, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. But as a believer, it makes me sick because our lives should be marked of joy, should be marked by more often than not finding this relationship in Jesus that every man, woman, and child, we should, as we're created, find delight and joy in Jesus. And it starts with this intimacy that we have with him. But if we're honest, for many of us in this room, we believe that, but we struggle to experience it. It's easy to say, yes, you should find your J-O-Y deep, deep, deep down in your heart. If you grew up in church, you know that Jesus should be everything and we should be happy and find that joy. But when life hits the fan, easier said than done. 
We experience, every single one of us experience hardships and struggles and different stresses. And I would say, if we're really honest, for many of us, we can't raise our hand and say, I have profound intimacy with the Lord. And the reason that is, is because whether you believe it or not, Scripture says it, that we are in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy. And it's not just your neighbor. It's not just a disagreement with a family member. It's the devil. And in this spiritual battle that he is attacking our minds, our hearts, and our lives every single day. He is throwing dart after dart, arrow after arrow to take you out. He doesn't want you to have joy. He wants you to be miserable. He wants you to have doubt. He wants you to be stressed. And I think what ends up happening is that uh, Satan's number one goal is to fill up our lives with things other than God. And I want you to think about this, okay, just to connect the dots with me for a second. I really do believe that this process, while it does start at a young age, really kind of comes to life and and pops its ugly head when we're in middle school. Anybody want to go back to middle school? Okay. Now, I'm just saying this. I want you to think back. I know you might have PTSD from it, okay? I I hate middle school. If anybody was to say, you can go back at any point in time in your life, I'm like, please, God, not middle school. But when you go back to middle school, there's something that happens and maybe it's hormones or whatever. But we begin to say, who am I? That's the question we're trying to figure out. Who am I as a young man or as a young lady? Who am I? And so with that, you begin to unpack, who are my friends? What do I like? What do I not like? What am I good at? So it begins that process. And what ends up happening is that then by the time you hit high school, man, it's on. And it's one of those things where I like the opposite sex. I care about what other people think of me. And I got to look good. So, you know, as the young people say, I got to look at my drip, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I got to, <laughs> I know, I'm 40, so I can say that now, and my kids hate it, okay? They're like, Dad, stop. You're being cringy, <laughs> okay? And so it's one of those things where now you're in high school, and it's like, I got to look good. I got to have good clothes, I gotta make sure my hair is good. I gotta make sure my my friends like me. I gotta make the team so I can be popular. I gotta have all the likes on social media. I have to have all of these different things. And then, then it turns into, I gotta make good grades because I gotta go to a good school. And and I know it's expensive, but I got to do really good. And so I'm stressing about my homework and AP and honors and dual enrollment. And so I can go to the college that I really want to get into. And I got to go to a good college. And I have to have a good internship so then I can get a good job. And when I graduate, I got to have a good job because I'm going to have thousands of dollars of debt. And I have to have a good job to pay that debt. And you get that first job and you're like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not my major. This is not what I majored in. So now I'm stressed. It's not going to pay the bills. My, my loans are six months deferred. How am I going to do that? So I got to get another job. So you move to another place, another city to find a better job. You got a promotion. You got a little bit of a raise. And now you're in a new city. And guess what? You got to get a house. And the house in that city is more expensive. And the bills are expensive. So you need roommates. Lots of roommates. <laughs> You get all these roommates, you have roommate drama. 
and you're trying to figure out the bills and you're trying to figure out all this stuff. And along the way, somehow you find, hopefully, maybe you find someone, you're like, hey, okay? And you find that person. And then all of a sudden you're like, mm, you know, this is fun. I like her. I like him. You know, like, maybe this is the one. And so we're going to go on dates. We go on one date. We go on some multiple dates. I got to meet her friends. She's got to meet my friends. I got to meet her family. She's got to meet my, fr- my family. Oh, maybe we should get married. Let's get engaged. And then you have all the wedding stuff. Isn't that fun? Okay. And then you go through all that and then you get married. And then at some point you're like, let's have kids. And one of you's like, no. The other one's like, yeah, let's have kids. You're like, no. Then you have kids. <laughs> and then kids come. And you're like, oh no, we need health insurance, right? We need life insurance. We got car insurance. We have all these things. And then you start to think, man, are they gonna be public school, private school, homeschool? They gotta be good kids. I can't be marked by bad kids. I'm a good person. I can't have bad kids. And so I need to get involved in their school and be a part of PTA and make sure they make good grades so they can go to a good college and have a good career. Because as parents, we don't want our kids to live at home until they're 27 and live off of our dime. We wanna make good grades. And so we say, you gotta have a good GPA, get, go to a good school, get a good job, get, make sure you pick the right major. And it is a vicious cycle on and on and on. And here's what I think, that the devil fills up our minds and our lives with so much distraction. He fills, up with all, fills us up with all of these things other than God. And I honestly do not believe at the end of all this cycle that we stop believing in God. I think some will, but I think the majority of people don't, wouldn't say that they stop believing in God or they, they don't think scripture's right or that God is dead. I know we're kind of in this phase of trend of deconstructing our faith and we don't have time to get into that. But I don't think that what I think happens is in the midst of all of that stuff, all the busyness and what Satan is throwing at us, we just lose track of where God is in the big picture of things. And I can't tell you how many times I meet people that you you grew up this way, you know what's right, life hit, you went off to college, you started your career, and now you're starting a family and it's like, you know what, I should probably be in church. Or I should do something. And we think, okay, one Sunday of the month is killing it. You know, like I'm doing so good. It just meets that, scratches that little need or whatever. And there's so much more to it than that. And I think one of the greatest challenges, and you might be saying, like, Dustin, what are you suggesting? Are you saying, like, I should just get rid of all these problems? Some of you might be saying, I'll tell you what the trick is. Get rid of the kids. The kids are the problem. You're right. But that's not what I'm saying because I don't think that the problem are actually those problems. I think the problem is the stress and anxiety in our eyes being taken off of God because of the problem. Those things, me wanting good kids with good grades is not necessarily a bad thing. But when my eyes and my heart and this battle in my mind that Satan is attacking day in and day out, that is the problem. If you remember in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, and he tells the crowd, do not be anxious. They were, they were dabbling, really, they were immersed in legalism. It was about all these rules of the Jewish society. What do I eat? What do I drink? What do I wear? 
And Jesus said, those aren't necessarily bad things, but don't be anxious. And then he says, at the close of that, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And I think for many of us, it's reversed. We seek everything else, and then when that, that goes by the wayside, we're like, okay, I need some God over here. And what Jesus is saying to the crowd that day is Jesus needs to be the priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I firmly believe that it is our anxiety and our stress and our distractions of all the things. Remember, and Jesus also says it's the world that stresses about those things. And I think we get so caught up in what the world says that life needs to look like that those anxieties and those stresses are the biggest barrier to intimacy in our walk with God. They keep us from really fulfilling the life that Jesus says, I came so that you might have life and have it to the full. We're not experiencing that because we put everything else first. And so in this, what we're gonna see today and then tomorrow is there is so much importance for us to seek God first. And when there are those barriers and we're not seeking God first and giving him um, what God is calling us to, to necessarily give him, problems arise in that. And, and so I, I put this on here. I think this is so true. Hopefully it makes sense. It makes sense to me and I put it on my notes, but... The greatest strategy of our enemy is this, to fill your life with things that don't matter so that you believe that they do matter so that eternal things don't matter. All right, let me connect the dots to that for a second. His strategy is to fill your life up with things that don't matter to make you think they do matter so that eternal things, really the meaningful things, don't matter. For instance... Man, we get in life, I think for many of us, we've been here, experienced that, got the t-shirt, is that we go through life, we experience all these things, and before too long, the things that don't really matter begin to matter the most in our life. And so we compromise, we make sacrifices because these things are so important. And at some point, we wake up, we, we pick up our heads, we look, and we're like, where am I? The things that were so important here, I've drifted over here. I mean, I've left my family in the wayside. I've been so focused on my job, my kids. I don't spend any time with them. I'm over here worried about all this stress. I've burned all the bridges with everybody I know. I'm so focused on pleasing my kids and making them happy. I'm not doing anything over here to help my marriage. And so we get sidetracked in these things. And Jesus says in Luke 8, he says, my word is like a seed and I want to plant it in the soil of your heart. And he says, and as you hear my word, it will continue to grow. It will flourish as you worship, as you're in community together. It will be fed. It will get water and nourishment, all those things. And it will grow and it will bring life, and it will produce fruit, not only for your life, but for the life of others. But then Jesus says, but let, let me warn you of this, that as that seed is growing, there's also the possibility of a weed. That as your seed is growing, that weed is going to grow, and it's going to wrap itself around this plant, and it can choke the life out and kill it. And the disciples say, 
Well, Jesus, what is that weed? And Jesus says, it's the worries of life. So for many of us, as we worry and we have anxiety about the things of this world over God, we're sabotaging the work of God in our life. And we're saying, hey, I need to worry about all these things instead of focusing on Jesus. So that brings me to the passage this morning in Philippians 4, a very simple passage that many of us have heard in Philippians 4 that Paul writes to the church of Philippi. In Philippians 4, verse 4 will be on the screens if you don't have a Bible. It says this. It says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your translation might say gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, what an incredible passage. You probably have heard that. Now this morning, I have two points. And everybody said, amen. All right. All right. Two points this morning. The first one being this, is that we give, our, uh, give God our minds. We should be giving God our thoughts, our minds, these anxieties, these stresses. We should be giving them to God. It, and here's what I think the enemy tries to, to throw at us. As Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We should be marked by joy. I already kind of talked about that. Let your, your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. So out of your joy, people should see something in our lives. There's reasonableness, gentleness that's coming from our life. There's joy. And it says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. I think a lot of times we get anxious because we feel like God has left us. We feel like, and that's like a lie from the devil, that God's not near you. He doesn't care about you. You, got this, you have to fix it on your own. You got yourself in this problem. You know, I'm not here. But what Paul is saying is the Lord is at hand. God is at work in the midst of that anxiety, of that stressful circumstance or situation. God is working in all of that. But then uh, what we see is that if you think about it, the devil comes into us and says, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't want you to be successful. You'll never be good at that. And what ends up happening is that when we don't surrender our minds to God, our tendency is a sinful state of mind. When we're not giving our minds to God, sinful thoughts are happening in the midst of this anxiety. Let me give you a couple examples. If you're stressed about, if you're a student and you're stressed about making good grades, you feel like I need to get this GPA, I gotta get this scholarship and do all these different things. The tendency is if you don't give your thoughts to Jesus, the tendency is you will cheat. If you're stressed about finances at home and at what's going on with your money, the chances are if you don't give that to God, you will make unethical decisions with your money. You'll hide it, lie about it, make, do something stupid, all those different things. When you're dating, if you're stressed about dating and finding the right one, and it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm this age, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get married, you begin to compromise. Lower your standards. Say, you know what, it's okay. 
They're not a believer. Who cares? We'll get past I'll missionary date. <laughs> you know, you've heard that before. All these different things. And so you have that. And at the end of the day, for some of us, for many of us, when we don't cope with that anxiety, it leads us on a path of addiction to substance abuse, porn, fill in the blank. And I'm not trying to be morbid and go to some extreme, but it's so true. I'm dealing with this, and this is a way for me to cope with that. And so I have this illustration. I told the first service, I thought it went somewhat well. This didn't go good or bad. But I have this, this case of ping pongs. And what I want you to think about, these, these ping pongs represent the stresses of life. Now, you might be like, Dustin, that's a small container, dude. I need like a really big bucket. <laughs> but just for, you know, illustration's sake. So we have different stresses in our life. And I don't know, I might just be speaking just for me, but I feel like many of us, this is how we feel about the stresses of life. They're everywhere. They're not, they're not contained in one spot. And so when we don't give our minds to God, this is what ends up happening in our life. We say, oh my goodness, I gotta worry about my kids. They're acting up at school. That's a bad reflection on my parenting. Am I doing a good job parenting? I, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm doing a bad job. We're try he does not do that at home. But they're doing that at school. I don't, maybe, it's, maybe is it the teacher's fault? Do we need to get them tested? What's going on? Is there need to be medicine? I don't know what's going on. But my job over here, it doesn't, it doesn't, pay, it doesn't pay the bills and I'm super stressed. We're living paycheck to paycheck. And I just don't know what to do. Do I need a new job, new career? Should we move? Should I quit? Should, what, what should I do over here? And then my family, my family is crazy and family's crazy, right? <laughs> family's crazy. I don't know what to do. My, my, my parents are dealing with this, dealing with this. Oh, my health. I just di I was diagnosed with something. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And so we're, we're going from stress to stress to stress, and we're running around all over the place. And we can't keep up. We are worn out. I would dare to say that every single one of us, you would raise your hand and say, I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. Life is exhausting. I can't keep up. I don't know what bill I need to pay. Do this, this, and this. It's stressful. This is how we live our lives. And so when we don't give our, our minds to God, we're all over the place. But listen to what Paul suggests. He says the response to all these things, the worries of life is this. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with what? Prayer and thanksgiving and supplication. When life looks like this, and it does, we go to God, we talk to Jesus, and we say, God, I don't know, my, my life's a hot mess. I don't know where to go, I can't keep up. It's exhausting, I need you. And really, if you think about it, prayer is the act of surrendering our thoughts onto God, right, in order for our lives to honor God. So it's saying, hey, this right here, this stressful situation in my finances, I'm gonna give it to you, God. I'm gonna let you have it. And th this situation over here with my kids, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a failure as a parent. I'm gonna give to you, God. And I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna pray. Not some like Hail Mary prayer on my way to work to be like, God, help me. You know, I just about killed my kid and I need some help parenting, you know. And oh, let me answer this phone call. But I'm saying diligent, consistent, talking to God. God, I need your help. It is an act of surrender to go to God. It isn't, it isn't passivity. 
I don't want you to think that you just go to God and he's like some, some eternal magician that you say amen and it's like abracadabra and all these things go away. They don't. But they're here. And God says, come to me and let's talk. Give them to me. Let's pray together with all of these worries. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let me tell you what this means practically. All these things, we say, that's a problem. Man, that's exhausting. That's causing issues in my marriage. That's causing issues here. That's stressing me out. That's causing a big problem. We name it and we say, okay, I acknowledge that issue and I need help. I need to give it to Jesus. Because if you don't, you are enslaved to those things. And if there's anybody in here that deals with anxiety, you know, you feel like panic attacks. You feel like, I can't, it's out of control. I don't know what to do. I can't breathe. It's choking me. I'm enslaved to it. And I'm not trying to minimize, man, if you've been diagnosed or on medicine for that, I'm not, I, I want you to hear me. I'm not just up here and be like, just pray, okay? I know it's so much more than that. But we have to surrender those things to Jesus and to say, take these things from me. And here's the beautiful response, what Paul says in the second point, that as we give God our minds, God gives us his peace. So as we pray, and as we go to God in supplication and with thanksgiving, and we let our requests be made known to him, verse seven says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. I think we could all agree we want some peace. And not just temporary peace, we want the peace of God. So let me tell you what this looks like. When you run to God and you pray and you talk, God says, give them to me. This, this financial situation right here, I got it. Trust me. Br bring it to me. Let, me. let me carry that weight. That kid situation, that family situation, bring it to me. I'm, I'm going to gather all these anxieties, all these hurts, all these worries, all the stress that you, you are faced with, that you can't breathe. I'm going to continue just to pick them up. Bring them to me. Let me carry them. Now, they're still here. We're still going to face them. But now Jesus is saying, I got them. We're going to get through this. The Lord is at hand. And he says, because of this, now they're under my control. I'm going to bring you some peace. You might not understand it. It says, the peace that surpasses all understanding. You might not know how to explain it or describe it. But I want to give you peace. And it's not by making more money and having better kids and getting into the good school and making good grades and all those different things. It's about giving it Jesus. It's about coming right to him and say, I got this. Let me guard your heart because your heart should seek first the kingdom of God. So here's my challenge as we close this morning. As Paul lays it out, for, as Jesus will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ. I think for many of us, we have a better relationship with our worries than we do with Jesus. It consumes more of our time, more of our energy. And I just wanna call it for what it is. I'm not naive to think, man, we are imperfect people and we're all dealing with different things. But I wanna challenge you to give it to Jesus 
today. Stop fooling yourself. Stop saying, I got it together. I know guys in the room, I'm just saying this as a guy, we're fixers, I got this. Just give me some time. Let me make a few more decisions and we'll be good. Man, give it to Jesus. We're not, we're not called to be lazy. We're not saying, okay, just give it to him and I don't have to do anything. No, we gotta be active in that. But let him take the burden off of you. And as first Peter says, Man, this incredible passage. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus cares for you. He knows exactly what's going on right now. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what the stresses of this world are throwing at you. He cares for you. And he says, bring them to me. And so as the band will lead us in this closing song, man, I wanna challenge you. Don't be embarrassed, be bold. Man, take some time to give it to God. You might want to come up here and just spend some time with Jesus. Use this as an altar to get on your knees before God and say, God, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn, but I need you. And you might be here in all those stresses. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. You know of him. You believe in him, but you've never surrendered your life. And maybe, maybe today is that day. Man, don't be scared of those things. Surrender it. I know that you might have questions but release that. Stop living in slavery to those things and give it to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you are a God that says, come to me just as you are. Cast your cares, cast your anxiety, bring them because I care for you. Let me carry your burdens. Let me carry the pain and the stress and the worry and I will bring you peace. But Father, you ask us, we have to bring those to you. You know them. And oftentimes we're so prideful, thinking that we can fix it all by ourselves or this season will just pass. But God, let us seek you first and come to you, not, not being anxious, but being prayerful. So God, as we close in this song, let our hearts and our minds, this battle, that Satan attacks each and every day. Be one that we seek you first. How to honor you and not be consumed by the stresses of this world, but how we can live in the freedom that your son Jesus gave us. It's in your son's name we pray. Hey, let's stand. Let's respond to whatever God is working in your hearts. Like I said, you can come down here and pray. You can come to me if you wanna talk and just pray. But let's worship God and respond.